those of us who've been a part of this from the beginning, it's a really cool story about someone who has been a part of downtown Harbor since our inception and is learning and discovering and seeking. And I just have to tell you, Sarah may never have had that opportunity had we actually taken that leap of faith and done what we know we were called to do. That's such an important and powerful story for us to realize. Let me lighten the mood for a moment. Have you ever watched a politician give a speech and their teleprompter goes out mid-speech? That is basically what the announcements are like at this church. So I really apologize for that display up here today. And we're only going to make the announcement joke at the 9 a.m. from now on because we all know each other. But anyway, no, um, anyway, John made some great points about what we're doing. Hey, today we are starting a really cool kind of new two-weeker, right? It's a two-week series where it's called Future and Past. It's going to kind of lead us up to the Easter season where we're all going to um, take a look at some folks who walked closest to Jesus and their observations of him and what they saw about him and his character. And then actually when they saw him confirm that he was who he said that he was, we're going to talk about that on Easter Sunday, which is going to be really exciting. But today we're going to kick off a two-week series, which I'm going to start out today talking about future. And next week, Adam Boyle is going to come and he's going to talk about the past. But I want to tell you about this idea This concept of the future, this is important for us to understand because the future is something that all of us think about a lot, even if it's subconsciously. All of us think about what does tomorrow bring? What does next year bring? What does next month bring for me, for my family, for my job, my career, my car, my life? What am I going to eat? All of these things that go into our mind, we tend to think about the future. And at the end of the day, if you think about what you've been told about the future in culture, in society, you know that culture and people who are around there have made a lot of money thinking about this. They've made a a lot of money talking about the future. Think of all the movies and television shows that have been made about the future. Think of all the things, the profit that has been consumed by corporate America and by Hollywood and all these entities by talking about the future, by predicting the future. Furthermore, by getting you to think about the future. I want to tell you something that I think is really important for you to understand as we dive into this today. Because we're going to talk about the future from two perspectives today. Two different perspectives. Because here's something we believe. We believe that you have a future. We believe that you as an individual have something to look forward to in your life. You have something to look forward to tomorrow and next year and next month and all these kind of things that go into that thinking. You have a future. But that's not all we're going to talk about today. Because we believe that the church has a future. We believe that the local church, the Jesus movement, Christianity in general, has a future. And here's what we've kind of discovered as we've unpacked the future quite a bit. We know that there's a lot of people, specifically in Christian circles or Christian realms, that have a lot to say, not only about your personal future, but the future of the church. And it's controversial, and it's edgy. But at Downtown Harbor Church, we have tried our darndest to go back to the original text, the scripture, to look what does it actually say in there about specific topics and ideas. And the future is talked about quite a bit. Your future is talked about quite a bit. The future of the church is discussed at length. And so today, as we talk about future and past next week, we want to take a look at what it actually says in there about our future and the future of the church. And we do that by going straight to the words of Jesus. 
We want to take a look at Jesus, who we believe is the only human incarnation of God to ever walk this earth, and that he confirmed that he was who he said that he was. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But he also had a lot to say about life. He also had a lot to say about the day-to-day operational state of your life, specifically the state of the times that he lived in and how we can kind of carry that forward to the future. So let's dive in because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, we're going to talk about you first. We're going to talk about your future. We're going to talk about things that we think about and that we dwell on. So here it is. Jesus is talking about things that are coming, things that are going to happen. But then he goes in, he goes, this is why I tell you, what? Not to worry. Now let me stop right there. A lot of us in this room struggle with worry. A lot of us in this room would even claim that that is one of the number one things that we deal with and struggle with in our life is worry. Worry is so important to all of us. We think about it. We dwell on things constantly. And Jesus tells us very clearly in this passage, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He goes on and he makes an analogy here, which is so interesting because now comparing us, his creation, to other creations that are out there. And he starts talking about the birds. Look at the birds. And I just encourage you because this language is so metaphorical and important. Do this during your week. Don't miss this moment. Think about this when you see a creation like this. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you, to make a big statement here, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, remember the guy who was the wisest man to ever live, the guy who wrote the book of Proverbs, who we looked at late last year, Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And God, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. And then the money meets the road here because he says something that we need to understand and learn and take forward to put into practice in our own lives if we're going to talk about the future. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate They dominate the thoughts of what? Unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom above of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Here it is. So don't worry about tomorrow. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, that was a lot of text, that was a lot of scripture. But we wanted to understand the context for what Jesus was talking about. We didn't want to just put up this verse and say, this is something we should do. We wanted to give everybody in the room context for how he was describing that and what he was saying. Because here, what he's saying is at the end of the day, we all worry a lot. There's a lot of worries going on in our life. 
We worry about our family members. We worry about our careers. We worry about money. We worry about food. We worry about clothes. We worry about things that are just all running rampant in our minds. And furthermore, so many of us who struggle with worry, we develop scenarios in our minds that aren't even real. And then we have almost these imaginary arguments or these imaginary conversations or these imaginary like moments of what we're going to do in that scenario because we're worried so much about it. And here's what Jesus said so clearly. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today is trouble enough for today. So stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about Next month, stop worrying about your future. Because here's a point I want you to hear and chew on and let this sink in. The future matters, but not as much as today matters. The future does matter. It's important. But today matters more. And I believe that Jesus was talking about those examples that he was talking about all those years ago, food, clothing, because he knew that that's what the people of those times struggled with. The people of those times needed clothing and needed food, and they were worried about not getting it. But we can carry that forward into our own life here in the modern era. We can carry that forward to all the worries that we have today, because at the end of the day, some of us in the room might not worry about food. We might not worry about clothing, but you might worry about something else. You might worry about disease or somebody you know who has disease. You might have mental stuff going on. You might worry about your job or your paycheck remaining the same or how you're going to take your family to the next level wherever you're going to take them. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't worry about that. I, I got it. God loves you so much more than you could ever ask for or imagine. The love that God has for his creation is so large. Do yourself a favor. Worry about today. Focus on the here and now. So, I don't know um, if you have like any worry that is like a little extreme and silly. Like, because I Googled the top 25 worries in America today, and like, like number three is like people are afraid of belly buttons, and it was like this really weird like name, like a phobia, and I was like, that's not really weird, and it is. But um, my wife, Caitlin, who's been gone for a couple of weeks, she um, is now back. She's in the back row, and I'm not going to look at her during this next part just because I'd like to not have marital issues when I return to my home later today. But Caitlin has an unusually large fear of roaches, okay? And so at the end of the day, like, and you know if you live in Florida, like palmetto bugs and roaches, what are, they're just there, right? We live, in the, we live in Florida, and like we're on the first floor. So like we're moving to the ninth floor whenever our condo's done, but right now we're on the first floor. So there's just roaches, like it is what it is, right? And yesterday morning, I got up to take the dog out, and like I came back in, to, the dog always runs right back to Caitlin because Caitlin's usually on the bed in the morning. I'm, I take the dog out, the dog runs back in, and I hear like a faint voice from the room, Adam. And I said, oh dear goodness. And I, I walk in, I said yes, and her and the dog literally are cowering, like they've made like a stack of pillows and they're cowering behind the pillows. And I said, and I said, what? And she just points to the wall and there's this little tiny roach there that I had to kill. Of course, she would say it's like, you know, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in Ghostbusters 1. That's how big it was. Tiny roach I had to kill. And she was worried about that. That's a funny example. The truth of the matter is, though, is that a lot of us are worried about unrealistic things, things that don't even necessarily matter, and we obsess about them and worry about them. And when we are focused on worry too much, here's what happens. Worry 
worry distracts us. Worry about our future distracts us from the here and now. And Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. When you are consumed with worry, you cannot focus on loving your neighbor as yourself today. It does not work. It's nearly impossible because your mind is so consumed in the future and you miss the here and now. So for us, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Today brings enough for you to deal with. Now I told you we were going to talk about a couple of different things today, right? We were going to talk about a couple of different things today. Number one, you have a future, okay? The other thing that I want to say is, and this is where we're kind of going to get a little controversial. This is where we're going to get a little bit, uh, you know, edgy here. The church has a future. So I talked about you. Now let's talk about the church. Let's talk about the Jesus movement. Let's talk about what people think and the scripture says is going to happen to the collective us because there is a ton in the scripture and furthermore there are a ton of people who have opinions based on the interpretation of the scripture about the future of the church so basically what people would use the scripture to do is their interpretation of the scripture would cause them to do uh, this kind of a thing that i want to put up on the screen they are predicting future events so that's the prediction of futuristic events and there are people who love doing this they love putting it out there in the media and in articles and they have their opinions. They love to tweet it and it's on Facebook about what specifically is going to happen in the future based on what they read in the Bible, in the ancient text. In fact, if you've been around Christianity for any length of time, you've heard this. And even if you haven't been around Christianity or the Jesus movement or around a church, you've probably still heard about this, right? There are people that throughout history have predicted the apocalypse, the end of the world, the end of time, and they know when these dates are going to happen. And more than likely, if you've seen them on the news, you have a couple of different opinions. One, you might actually think that they're right and it might cause anxiety and worry in you because you don't know what that's going to look like, or you might think they're a whack job. Either way, there's all kinds of opinions related to that. Let me just give you a couple examples. How many people were around for Y2K, right? If you were around for Y2K, you stocked up on water like you didn't believe, right? And I'll never forget, I graduated high school in 2000, and I said to my parents, I just have a really big fear that I'm not going to make graduation because of what everybody's saying. Let me tell you about another guy by the name of Harold Camping. Now, Harold Camping was an end-of-times doomsday predictor, right? Harold Camping first predicted that the end of the world would happen on September 6, 1994. He predicted that it would happen. Guess what? September 6, 1994. I was in sixth grade. It was my very first sixth grade dance. And the girl I was with, I was hoping that prediction was going to come true. But it did not. 
So sure enough, Harold Camping kind of regrouped, and he's like, yeah. And like Harold Camping, like he claimed to have a direct like line to God, right? Like in the favorites on his phone, like God was number one, and every time he called, he picked it up. That's at least what my opinion was, right? Well, then he predicted on May 21st of 2011 that the world was going to end again, that the world was going to absolutely end. And here's the deal. He actually had a ton of followers. People would come, and they had the T-shirts and the signs, and they had banners and flags and they were protesting in cities and they were making this big hullabaloo and I remember it was on CNN and they were interviewing Harold Camping and guess what? He claimed that God indicated to him through what he discovered and read in the scriptures that the world was going to end on this day. Guess what? May 21st came. No ending. In fact, it also came in December 15th, 2013 that after all these predictions and all this hysteria and all this fear, Harold Camping died. His life on earth here actually ended. Nothing that he predicted came true. He spent a ton of time thinking about the future and a whole bunch of time missing the here and now. And let me tell you what his basis was for it. And this is really important for us in the room to get and understand. So if you're taking notes, you do whatever, you're trying to figure out what I said last weekend, this is a big moment to understand. Most people's information related to this comes from a chapter in the Bible. And the chapter is the very last chapter, and it's John's revelation. This was a revelation, a dream, a vision that John had. Now, who was John? John was one of Jesus' original disciples. And John was somebody who they might, you might even consider Jesus' best friend. And when Jesus, uh, John actually helped take care of Jesus' mother, and he was actually the last living disciple based on our research and history. And John, who loved Jesus so much, was actually hated by the uh, religious leaders of the time. And we've talked about that. And they actually tried to kill this guy, John. But they put him in like this huge thing of oil, and it didn't kill him. So what did they do? They isolated him, and they shipped him in exile to a Greek island of Patmos. And that's where he lived out his final days, and where he wrote this book of Revelation. And so many people who would predict that get their information from this book and I just want to tell you something if you want like a project go ahead and read that book because it is so cool to see what's in there and to unpack it but let me tell you how kind of out there and wild it is and where people get a lot of their information from okay this is just one verse in there which is so important Revelation 13 11 there I saw another beast coming out of the earth it had two horns like a lamb but it spoke like a dragon makes perfect sense to me. I don't know if you've been you've ever read Revelation, but that just, I mean, I, I understand what that means. No, I don't. And there's a lot of opinions in Christianity on this. So I want to tell you just a couple of them today so you understand it. Here's the first one. A lot of people take the book literal. Some of you in the room might take the book literal. It might mean an actual literal thing that is coming in the future. Some of you might take most of that as symbolism for things that are representative in the future. Some of you in the room might read that and take that as a combination of both, that John's revelation is kind of a combination. And there has been a history of opinion throughout the time that is kind of like a mixture of these. Some people even think that the book of Revelation has actually been fulfilled. Here's what we want you to do as people who are trying to figure this all out. Do your own research on it. 
figure out. You're going to have to come to conclusions yourself about the future because everybody who's, been, who's predicted when it's over is wrong. And there's a lot of us who might even have different opinions after we dive into it. That's okay because I believe the only variable that matters in our lives is that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is who he said that he was. But I will tell you, I've known people over the course of time who are obsessed with the future. There are people who are ob obsessed with these events. They have given their whole life to figuring it out. They have given their whole life to ministries where people are going to give dollars and resources, and then at the end of the day, nothing ever happens. So that was a mouthful. But at the end of the day, we at Downtown Harbor always go back to the main man. We always go back to Jesus. We always go back to what did this guy, God's son, actually have to say. And it was so clear, crystal clear, that I don't want you to miss it. Book of Mark, chapter 32, he said, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Not even Jesus himself. You know what he said? He goes, I don't even know. I don't even know, gang. Only the Father knows. So for everyone who has an opinion of one of the combination of these things, of whether the, these events are literal and, or symbolic or there's a combination of both of them or whatever it is, Jesus himself said, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So if Jesus himself doesn't know, how do you know? How do I know? We don't know when this is going to go down or how it's going to go down. Jesus told parables, I think, further to further prove that point so that these things could be interpreted and picked apart and have our faith grow as we understand more about who he is. So now that I've ranted about that for, gosh, on the better part of 22 minutes, here's just something I want you to know as you go from here today. Because at Downtown Harbor Church, we are so passionate about getting this right for maybe in some of our lives the very first time. Maybe in some of our lives the first time that we will hear this and apply it. And furthermore, people might even begin to look at us and understand things themselves for the first time. Here it is. If someone tells you they can predict the future, don't believe them. Don't believe them. I'm not just telling you that because I think they're wrong. I'm telling you that because Jesus said not even he knows. So if Jesus, the guy who confirmed that he was who he said that he was by predicting his own death and resurrection doesn't know, how do you know? I don't know. You know what's so sad kind of too? People who do claim that they know, have you ever seen their diagrams, right? Have you ever seen like, it's, it's like this huge, long, like old Nintendo game, right? with like Super Mario Brothers at the end and the dragons like coming out to get you or whatever. And they, this is like going to happen in like 3200 AD. Get ready. It's going to be. Here's what I want you all to know. We're not talking about this today just to debunk stuff or to be a flag waver in town just to be those people. That's not what we're doing at all. Here's what we want you to know. Jesus gave us very clear instructions. Jesus told us what to do with our life. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know when you can love your neighbor as yourself? Today, here and 
now, right where you are at. And if you spend all of the time in your life living in your future, or if you spend all of your time in church living in the future, you will miss today. If you spend all your time living in the future, bottom line is, you'll miss the here and now. If you spend all your time obsessing with future events in your own life or in the life of the church, you're going to miss the here and now. You're going to miss the opportunity to love someone as yourself, your family, your spouse, people who need your help, people in the community who we're trying to reach and be a part of. I have to tell you all something. I have seen people and families, Christian families, people who aren't even a part of the church, been ripped apart over this because people don't agree. People can't come to an agreement. People think the world is ending and their spouse or their kids won't get on board. And Jesus said, no, no, no. What? You're missing it. Don't worry about tomorrow. There's too much going on today. There's too much going on in your home. There's too much going on on your street. There's too much going on with your clients. There's too much going on in the world. Don't spend all your time living in the future. You're going to miss the here and now. That's what it's all about. That's why he led us to that place. And I believe him because of who he is and what he did. If anybody can perform miracles like he did and turn water into wine and raise the dead, and then the guy who said, and by the way, I'm going to die someday, but don't worry, I'll be back. And it came true. I'm with, I'm with him. And he said, don't live in the future. Live for today. Don't miss the here and now. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you that you've gone before us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for who you are. I am so excited about what is going to go on here at Downtown Harbor Church. Thanks so much for this service today and those who are here and what we're talking about. And Jesus, I just pray that you'd bless us, guide us, help us to understand the things that are hard that we don't understand. But there are people here today who need to stop living in their own future and start living here and now. Seeking after you, and you teach us how to live. And specifically, we as a church, God, never want to think about the future more than we think about today and how we might reach folks who are right here, right with us. We love you. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.